Civilized Parking is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Browns ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, sometimes with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. GameTime, the app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. There's an easy two-tap checkout to get you out of there when you're done. So head over to the App Store or the Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, and Tom Reed. Hello, I'm Zach Jackson with the Civilized Barking Podcast. He is Mark Caboli with the Immaculate Podcast. It's Brown Steelers for like the fourth time in 20 years. A significant Brown Steelers game Thursday night. Mark, I know you love that trip up the turnpike. Yeah, you know, it's it's only like a two and a half hour drive for me, Zach. But I don't really like the the Thursday night. I like the Thursday. You probably agree with me on this one. Get it out of the way. Not much BS leading up to the game. Then have like a three day weekend. But still, that eight fifteen start, and you know it's probably going to be cold in Cleveland because you know that's just what it is. So you get past all that, we're all fine. But the the anticipation of driving the turnpike and paying I think I think I got to pay like 14 bucks to get to Cleveland on the turnpike more on the way back cuz they charge extra money to get back into Pennsylvania they do so when I go see my brother in Greensburg um it is $22 from my house to his on the turnpike <laughs> it's not that far <laughs> <laughs> I think it's only like $3 coming back yeah so it's it's criminal um there is snow on the ground here. We had a significant amount of snow Monday and Tuesday. I don't think we're supposed to get any more. It's freezing. But uh, yesterday morning, half the Browns media corps was late because <laughs> of the snow. The turnpike was closed down for much of the day. Uh, so hope it's good. Uh, it's a weird time for you to come in because Cleveland traffic is a disaster in the late afternoon. Oh, thanks. Um, and I'm with you on, on both of us being too old for these late starts, but you said something that's interesting. It does minimize the pregame BS. And yes. as we get to the game, like I really think that can benefit the Browns. I, I think if you know anything about the Browns, it's pretty obvious that Freddie Kitchens is, is swimming or trying to float or sinking or whatever your, your chosen analogy might be. But I think in a short week, it might be good to just simplify, and he might just say, well, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run it some more, and we're going to throw simple passes. We're not going to try to outsmart ourselves against what's obviously a really good Steelers defense. So, yeah, yeah uh, I mean, it happens. makes sense. It makes sense, Zach, because you know you don't have time to have that expansive playbook. And I know just on the Steelers side, when they had these uh, short weeks like this, they really relied on some of the really a lot of the no huddle stuff, where your fourteen, fifteen year veteran quarterback was basically making calls as what he saw on the defense. So they simplified things from you know years and years and years. Obviously, they can't do that right now. So now the question is: Is Freddie going to do that? Because I remember. 2003 yes I'm that old the Steelers went to New York and there was two feet of snow and uh, there was about 34 people in the Meadowlands and Bill Coward decided to throw the ball like 50 times in like two feet of snow so they can outthink themselves too Zach 
Yeah. Well, 45 minutes after Sunday's game, uh, the Browns tarped the field. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. Now, it's going to be cold, and the wind, specifically at the dog pound end, uh, we saw last week kicks just don't get made there uh, at, at a certain point. But I don't think field conditions will be a problem. Uh, I think the last time the Steelers came, and we're going back a decade now, um, on a Thursday night to Cleveland, the wind was a trem- it was a huge factor in that game. So we'll see there. But I, I expect cold, but not a lot of weather. I remember that um, Thursday night game, Zach. That was one of the most miserable experiences ever walking from the parking lot to the yes. stadium. I've never felt cold like that in my entire life. I know. Ever. I, I, I worked for the team at the time, Mark, and I had to wear a tie to the games. So it, I forget where I was before, but obviously I wasn't doing what I was doing Thursday during the day while wearing my suit and tie. So I got to the game. I parked with my car running, obviously, staying warm. I got dressed in the parking lot. And as I went to walk, I realized I hadn't put my tie on. I put my suit on. I reached back in the car and grabbed my tie, and it flew out of my hand and flew 50 yards away into the lake. <laughs> that was, that's how we did And that was only at 4 o'clock. The game didn't start till 8 o'clock. So. I remember um, walking through the parking lot, and I was walking, but the wind was blowing so hard, I think I was moving backwards. It was You had to put your head down because you couldn't breathe if you moved up, if you put your head up. And uh, that was a significant game for the Steelers because they lost that game, and that was one of their like three or four-game losing streak, and uh, they ended up rebounding to go 8-8 eight and eight that season. But that was the time where – you know, they were in shambles because they just got lost to their really bad Raiders team right before that as well. Well, one thing I laugh at, Mark, uh, when we talk about, you know, the change in routine and, you know, buckling down for November and December. So short week, division game, all of this stuff. Um, you know, I can ask you, how do the Steelers handle this stuff, right, on a Monday through Wednesday basis? But you can't ask me because the Browns have a new coach every year or every other year or every, <laughs> eight, every year and a half. So – um, they didn't do much, if, if anything on Monday. They just recovered. They met. Uh, they had about an hour and 10 minute practice. So nothing resembling a full practice on Tuesday. Uh, I would imagine again, as we record this, it's Wednesday morning. I would imagine 45 minutes or an hour of a jog through today, and then it's ready to play. Uh, you know, the home field advantage, I think matters to an extent, but the Steelers are just coming over, uh, as quick a trip as you'll have in the NFL. So, you know, how do the Steelers handle this situation? Yeah, you about mentioned exactly how they went about it this week. They had a late game on Sunday night. When I mean late, it's a 4.30 game, but it was like a three-hour and 45-minute game which took you into the night. They had Monday off, players' day off. They came in for a workout if they wanted to. And Tuesday was very similar with how Tomlins has approached it over the past three weeks. And I think he's been anticipating this because Steelers had seven – four games in a span of 17 days, mm-hmm. including this, you know, quick turnaround here. So he's been cutting practices short by at least 30 minutes for the past two weeks. And that happened again when there were their only time on the field on Tuesday, it was at least 30 two hour practice. It was done in an hour and a half. And you put air quotes in practice because, you know, they didn't practice very much. It's all about recovery and getting their bodies ready and, getting in the playbook right now but uh, uh it's changed a little bit to answer your question 
because leading up to this, he's been doing a very similar type of situation where he hasn't really been working them a lot because, you know, they had a Monday night game. I think they had 15 days off with a West Coast trip and then Monday. Then they played on Monday, a Sunday, a Sunday, and a Thursday. Now, three of those four were at home, but that, that does take their toll on them. And, you know, there's a bunch of injuries they had that probably uh, he's going to have to do without just because it is that short week. Yeah. Well, the Browns are pretty healthy. They won't have Olivier Vernon. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones is a maybe. Now, he's been a part-time player, but he has been a part of the passing game um, when he's played, so that's semi-significant. Eric Murray, who had taken over the slot corner job, uh, remains out. The Steelers, uh, the reports are James Conner's coming back. Is is that right? Yeah, he was, in, he was at practice on Tuesday, and he was the only one that actually was wearing pads and trying to practice because of his – AC joint injury. So, yeah, he, he's expected to be back, and they need it because their running back crew is all banged up. Jalen Samuels was out, out a month with a knee surgery, and he came back two weeks ago. And the, then you're all the way down on the depth chart of guys like Trey Edmonds, guys like Tony James Brooks, guys you've never heard of. So they really do need to have uh, James Conner back. Now, how healthy is he going to be? Is he going to be able to take 30 40 reps, you know, 20 touches. I'm not quite sure because he's been out two or three weeks, but he pretty much will be back. And as long as well as their left guard, Ramon Foster, and they need that part of their game to work, which hasn't worked very well this year, the running game, because uh, um, you, you can't expect Mason Rudolph on a short week where his playbook is now probably going to be even more condensed to go up there and try to make a ton of plays. You need to rely on that run game. So it's a little bit better this week than it was the prior two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I would expect both teams to go, um, maybe not conservative, but certainly with the power approach, Mark. I think 17 or 19 or 20 points wins this game. You know, we already talked about the wind, the cold, the short week situation. And we know the Steelers' defense has been playing well. The Rams only got three offensive points. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, three points. I, I it it was the Steelers defense is playing extremely well right now and if, let me tell you something you probably know this better than me how many times was the Browns coach fired after losing to the Steelers uh, i believe it's 6 of them it, it, it's about yeah. if he does not come out and run the ball 40 times against the Steelers he's absolutely crazy and probably should get fired i'm not saying um because the Steelers are easy to run against they've only been allowing uh, 80 yards per game over the last four. One of the teams that actually was able to keep Lamar Jackson in check, they're not bad. But if you consider the alternative, Zach, and that's having Baker Mayfield drop back with this pass rush, mm-hmm. you're just asking for disaster. You're just yeah, asking, you're that Steelers offensive fan. line and that and the Steelers pass rush, you're yeah. asking for a disaster. Yeah, if you're a Steelers fan, I think you absolutely have qualms about Mason Rudolph on the road on a short week in bad weather against a Browns defense that's been hit and miss, but is certainly talented. But the matchup you really like is TJ Watt against Chris Hubbard or against Greg Robinson, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, not only him though. I mean, Bud Dupree on the other side's been very solid. I mean, TJ Watt's at a different level right now. He's actually, in my opinion, approaching. J.J. Watt, as in, you know, when J.J. had those 
three or four years in a row early in his career where he's putting up 20 sacks. TJ's not at that point, but he's extremely good. And, and Cam Hayward in, uh, at the defensive line is playing well, and it all goes around that secondary. But this is two years in a row on to their third now where they're looking like they're going to lead the league in sacks. So they're pretty good at doing that. And where they've been doing it better than years past, Zach, is they're getting there with four and five guys rather than have to blitz. So that's what's helping the secondary out a lot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I talked, I, I talked to one of the veteran defensive linemen, and I was trying to say, yeah, the Browns' offensive line's not that bad. Uh, you know, they're getting a little bit of a bad rap, and he gives me this look, and I looked at him like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm just – blowing smoke am i and he just he just shook his head yeah <laughs> so yeah, they know well, how many troubles the browns offensive line has for browns fans for a reminder of the absolute joke that the sashi brown administration was um they traded up gave away their precious draft picks to get david Njoku at number 29 a guy who's an incredible athlete and can't play football and the next pick at number 30 the steelers got tj watt uh, we know his last name, Watt. Who would have ever guessed that he'd be a good football player, Mark? <laughs> he's just—he's really good, and uh, he'll—you know—he's going to get paid in a year or two. Not only that, um, the Sachi Brown administration also gave the Steelers for nothing. Joe Hayden, who <laughs> got his money and is appears at least from the outside. You know, I've seen a couple Steelers games in entirety, and I've and I've watched the clips from time to time. Uh, Joe Hayden that's, looks to me like he's 25 years old again. It, it's it's unbelievable that they didn't want him anymore. Uh, people, I mean, especially this year. Last, last year or two, you couldn't really tell that much because he wasn't really targeted that much because the Steelers' other corner was terrible, if it was Artie Burns or if it was Cody Sensbar or whoever. But now they got Steven Nelson in free agency, and he's been – pretty much shut down so they're going after the old guy and the old guy had an interception and five pass defense against the rams so the old guy is not that bad either and he's i mean i can't even tell you how much that guy means in the locker room as well so he's well worth whatever they're paying him and sure. uh, you just got a new contract but his play has been fabulous as well i mean I mean, whoever made that, I was going to say, whoever made that decision should get fired, but I thought, I think you already did, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mark, it's just been, um, let me sum it up like this. So when we talked earlier in the week, hey, when can we, when can we record on Wednesday? What do you have going? And I said, you know, just not super early because I had <clears throat> um, to be somewhere super early this morning. So as I was driving back, I was listening to Cleveland Sports Radio, and obviously sports radio is not um, generally high, highly intelligent conversation. This particular show is good. The guys know what they're talking about. They, you know, they, they, they generally take fair stances on things. But there was serious conversation about the Browns getting hot and making the playoffs, even though they're currently the number 13 seed in the AFC. And in, in the same breath, sometimes in the same call, serious discussion about firing the coach. So, so that's where the Browns are. Hope lives – but reality has crept in and surrounds this team that's left himself, themselves absolutely zero margin for error. You see, that was very similar to what the Steelers were a couple of weeks ago before they had this four-game winning streak. And my response to that was, yeah, you know, there's, I'm sure the Browns fans are looking at their schedule and say, hey, man, we can win a lot of these games. But the, there's one big issue with all of that, and the Steelers people are the same way. They have to win their games. And and I kept saying, are the Steelers good enough to win 8 of 10 games to be able to get into the playoffs? Okay, the Browns are playing some bad teams, but guess what? The Browns are a bad team too. Or they have the ability to win, you know, seven in a row, six out of seven. That, that's what I say. Uh, when I said with the Steelers, I'm like, I'm not quite sure. 
With the Browns at three and six now, you have no margin for error. What gives you the idea that you think they're going to roll off seven straight wins? Probably nothing. And that's right. I think that's what the, we have to think about, and I don't think people think that way. Um, when did they play the chart? Were they zero and three when they beat the Chargers, or one? They were one and four when they. I think one. Uh, wait, they lost three in a row. They beat the Bengals, but that didn't count. Yeah, that <laughs> right? that was a Sunday night that I got to watch. So whatever week it was, and it's a yeah, it's when their four string quarterback was playing. Duck Hodges, yes, yeah, the duck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just remember watching that game and the total domination it was in the first half. I think I went to bed at halftime and I thought, man, that's just what you have to do when you need to win a game to to save everything and, and let everybody know that the ship's not really sinking. It's just a really hard league. They do it, and that's what they've done. Um, for years and years, the Browns haven't. They can't. Now, this is a talented Browns team. You know, I think, Mark, I think consensus before the season is was the most talented team in the division. I don't know what people would say now because I think a lot of people were guilty of underestimating the Ravens, and obviously the Steelers still have a lot of good players. But, you know, the Browns just have not put it together. And, and I will say last week they got Kareem Hunt. They used him. Odell Beckham was the – played his most significant role in weeks, although they're still trying to work things out. Jarvis Landry, who's as good as anybody, he's not flashy. Uh, he might not be a 4-3 speed guy, but he's just an excellent football player. So it's there. Um, is it good enough to beat the Steelers twice in three weeks? I don't know, but I do expect Thursday night's game to be close. I expect it to be a grinder. And frankly, you know, whoever probably turns the ball over less and or cashes in those turnovers when they get them wins this game. And you know what? We talked to the offensive coordinator, Randy Fickner, uh, on Tuesday, and he made an interesting comment. He says, you know what? If we don't turn the ball on offense, nobody can beat us. And he was definitive about it. Like, nobody, yeah. if we don't turn the ball over, we're not going to lose. So that's where their mindset right now on offense of if they able to hold on to the ball and put up some points, this defense is playing so well that um, the only way to lose is if you give the opposing team some points. So that that's their mindset right there, and it's it's an interesting situation where you're going into Cleveland like this, and you know, talking about you know overestimating things back in the in the spring and the summer. Who thought that the Steelers would be five and four and the Browns would be three and six at this game? They were the networks were probably thinking a good eight and two, eight and two type of game. Boy, were they wrong. Right. Well, I, one <laughs> with thing no I star power out. on the Steelers side, you know, there's not there's yeah. really no star power. When the Browns have gotten this obligatory Thursday game in the past, Mark, and it hasn't even been every year because, frankly, they didn't even get one in their 0-16 year. <laughs> um, but it's been the NFL Network game. You know, they play the Bengals on the NFL Network. They play the Ravens on the NFL Network. Well, this is Big Boy Fox. This is one that Fox chose. Um, you know, and for all the, the players hate about Thursday night football, and we understand Brown Steelers makes sense because it's easy for each team to get there, right? You don't have to include a long flight and a whole bunch of crap. Um, so I think they, there still is some sizzle because the Browns have enough star power and their Browns are interesting enough, whether you, whether you love them or hate them to watch. And then there's the Steelers who don't have the star power, at least to the outside fans that they've had for so much in the last 10, 12, 20 years. Right. But they're playing super well. The defense has obviously been lights out. And <laughs> another thing I've laughed at is here in Cleveland, you know, everybody's addicted to draft picks because it's been for so long. So when the Steelers trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, it's like, what are they doing? They're giving away a top five pick. And I'm like, mm, I don't know, guys. And obviously the Steelers knew what they were doing with Minka Fitzpatrick. 
Yeah, he's he's been an absolutely game changer. I mean, he's been the missing link, whatever cliche you want to say. Um, believe me, there has been a ton, speaking of sports talk radio, a ton of debate of how the Steelers got fleeced on this trade and why in the world would you mortgage your future? You're 0-2, you could be a top two pick and this and that and another. All of a sudden, that's changed a little bit after you know, two touchdowns, five interceptions in seven weeks. And just what he brings to this defense is just absolutely amazing. He's always around the ball. It's tip balls aren't falling to the ground. Balls that are just on the ground fumbling, he picks up. The anticipation of, uh, you know, knowing where the ball is going and being able to break up plays and allowing – the uh, the defense to play how they want to play, you know, a little bit more zone covers because they're not going to get beat deep. What an absolute and the and the part that people don't think about is he's a first round pick. He has three more years, very cheap was including this year plus a fifth year option where they don't have to pay that much money because the Dolphins already had to pay his guaranteed money. It was just win-win-win-win situation, but people hated the trade here, and he's been a difference maker. Put it this way, and this will, you, you, you'll like this one. Last year, they signed Morgan Burnett as what they wanted Minka Fitzpatrick they want Morgan Burnett to play like Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And if you've probably watched Morgan Burnett, um, you probably would agree that that's not really a fair right. or not no, they, really a close the, comparison. The Browns went and got Morgan Burnett because they there's such a heavy uh, Packers influence in the front office, and they just needed an adult in the room, frankly. And I think I think Morgan Burnett has been fine as a player, but the number of impact plays that he's made can be counted on one hand. And, you know, he is what he is, right? He's a guy that's been around the league, is on the backside of his career. He just – what he didn't fit in Pittsburgh. He's a better – fit here in Cleveland, but he is not um, going to make the plays. Yeah, that he are doesn't gonna... like to talk to the media, right? How many excuses have you heard from him? I'm going to go get a shower. Yeah, yesterday, heard that was, 25 yesterday times. he cold me. He cold tubbed me yesterday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, he was notorious for that. <laughs> that is funny. All right, let's talk about Rudolph. Um, you know, you mentioned, and, and I think it's obvious to anyone, you don't want him out there throwing 40 or 50 passes or trying to win the game by himself. But as a guy who played in a spread offense, came in as a rookie, you know, had missed missed his much of his pre-draft process because of injury. Uh, and then he just hadn't played. You hadn't seen him do it. So the thought would be he'd be much more comfortable now, Mark, than he was five, six weeks ago but still basically a rookie out there. So as someone who sees him every day, you know, how close am I with that assessment? He's not only a rookie. He had zero times he dressed for games last year, and he was a third-string quarterback behind Dobbs, which means he got absolutely zero reps or very few reps. His reps were limited to virtual reality after practice up in, you know, room 212 of the Steelers' complex, and then all of a sudden he's now your starting quarterback six games, I mean, six quarters into the season. It's been a slow process with him uh, just being able to make big boy throws. And when I say big boy throws, I mean throwing to guys who are not open and say, hey, go make a play for me. That's been the toughest adjustment for him. He just doesn't trust throwing it into coverage and having some. I mean, he got some young receivers. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster's in his third year, but he's 22. Deontay Johnson is a rookie out of Toledo. Um, 
James Washington played very little when he's in his second year. So they got some really young guys, and that's been the biggest issue. And, and you've seen it getting better and better as the as the weeks going on. The first two or three weeks, he was he wasn't even looking past the line of scrimmage. It was checked down, checked down, and it was wildcat whatever they could do to be able to protect him. Now he's getting a little bit better here. Uh, being able to go through some progressions and making some tight throws, and when you, the problem here in Pittsburgh is everybody compares him to Roethlisberger, and it's unfair that guys, Roethlisberger's Hall of Famer, 37 years old, 15 years in the league, and you're expecting Mason Rudolph to do that in Game Five, and it's just been an ugly comparison. But you can see him getting better, but nowhere near where he needs to be to you know lead this team. He, put it this way, I don't think if it comes down to a quarterback duel that he's going to outduel many people right now. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, people know what I think they know of Devin Bush. They certainly know of Hayden and Fitzpatrick, uh, James Conner, hundred percent or not. People know him. Um, but Dupree, even though he's been disappointing up until this year, I think people here know him. Who is a Steelers guy that you can introduce on this podcast and make yourself smart. Who's going to introduce himself to the Browns uh, on Thursday night. <laughs> Well, first of all, nobody on the offense <laughs> because their offense is just uh, not very good right now. Vance McDonald, their tight end's disappearing. So we'll probably have to go on the defensive side of the ball. And I mentioned him a little bit. First, I mean, Cam Hayward's been stunning, but I don't have to introduce a guy that's probably been a two- or three-time right. pro bowler. Steven Nelson, they gave $27 million to in free agency from Kansas City, and they got $27 bucks. That's nothing. That was the most money that the Steelers ever spent on one free agent in the history of free agency. Wow. He came over, and he's just absolutely solidified it. So you're probably not going to see him very much or hear him very much because teams are tending to go away from him. But that is now allowing, like I said before, Joe Hayden to be able to be able to perform a little bit right now uh, in in that regards as well. So Steven Nelson has been a real – I mean, another one is maybe – Stephon Tuitt, their $60 million defensive lineman, tore his pec muscle in that San Diego game. And he's basically being replaced by a committee. But one of those guys is Javon Hargrave. He was a nose tackle, little tiny South Carolina State. But he's been playing a lot of, like, three-technique tackle in the in the nickel situation. He's a really, really good pass rusher for, for being a guy that has a nickname of wobble because when he walks he wobbles because his backside's a little you know like mine so that's a two guys right there Javon Hargrave he's been a little bit surprising and Steven Nelson's just been shut down I mean he calls himself Nelson Island on Twitter because nobody goes after him and it's, it's actually been pretty true yeah so quick refresher for Steelers fans obviously you know of Beckham and Landry you know of Nick Chubb uh, by now, even though he really didn't hit his stride until after the Browns were done with the Steelers last year. They got Kareem Hunt back last week. They went with a lot of two-back sets, which you just don't see in today's NFL. Um, they're both a load. You know, I don't think Kareem Hunt right now, and it's understandable, is anything near the player that he was. He hasn't played in a year. He had sports hernia surgery in the offseason. He was suspended for two months. But Nick Chubb is really, really good. I mean, 230 speed. Power, balance. Um, so the Browns are running it with those guys. They got Rashard Higgins back. Um, not a flashy receiver, but has a chemistry with Baker, knows how to get open. He came back from injury, refused to go in a game in October, got in the doghouse. Um, put him in last week, and he catches the game winner. So 
because we it's it's been very brief glimpses, but we have seen glimpses of what people thought this Browns offense could be. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Zach. The only thing yep. in Pittsburgh what they care about is uh, one person, Baker Mayfield. Yep. Either love him or hate him. They mostly laughing at him in Pittsburgh right now because he can't keep his mouth shut. So uh, <laughs> just describe what he's been, what type of, uh, you know, I guess uh, he's been like a, he's like, he reminds me of a firecracker with a very short fuse. I mean, how's he been playing? I think we know how yeah. he's been playing, but how's he been dis- been taken in by the Cleveland fans? I, I would imagine is not great. Well, they were ready to build statues after last year, and you have to understand why, Mark. I mean, it's been so – he was quarterback number 30 in 20 years of the new organization, right? Um, it has not been good. And, you know, is Baker a little bit of a ticking time bomb? I don't know. His, his personality is certainly not for everybody. But everything seemed to work last year, right? And then this year um, – you know, I think the fans here love him so much. Uh, I think more of the hate and the angst has gone towards Freddie and towards Odell Beckham quite frankly. Um, but, you know, as of a week ago, his quarterback rating was 70 in a league where 20 guys were at 90 or better. Um, it's just been a struggle, but I will say, you know, led the game-winning drive last week. That was his first, you know, come from behind in the final minutes. And it wasn't great before then, but for two straight weeks, they have not turned the ball over. They've cut down on the penalties. Um, you, the offense is trending in the right direction. So, were we all premature, maybe, in crowning Baker? Sure. And, and for a guy that's accuracy is his calling card, he has had his struggles this year. Yeah, how's but I think been he's ta- been better. How's, how's it been taken that he tends to talk a good game, but he's yet to really done anything? I mean, in the grand scheme of thing, what has he won? Three games against well, see, teams with winning records? I mean, how is that taken? Because that would rub people the wrong way, I would think. No, see, it doesn't rub – on the outside, it does. To the rest of the league, it does. But here, the Browns don't win any games ever. So when they win a couple, it's great, and he's a hero, right? Well, I'm not arguing what you're saying one bit. They haven't won anything. <laughs> and they have very few guys on the team that have ever won anything. But for for the Browns to have won five out of seven last year, that's 15-1 on anybody else's scale you would think right. that eventually they would get over that though okay they're five wins last year what now and- yeah well it, and it hasn't been good but like i said we, we have seen signs so can they put four quarters together uh is is tomorrow night the time to do that i don't know but i think it's really encouraging um that they haven't turned a ball over in two weeks and then of course what is it five four or five straight games the steelers have forced at least three turnovers Oh, it's been it's been a bunch. I don't know the exact number. Yeah. They're forcing. The funny thing is, they only had like fifteen turnovers all of last year. Now they got twenty six through nine games, fifteen yeah. turnovers the entire season, and now they have they lead. I think they're tied with the Patriots with twenty six, or maybe they're in first place. Whatever. So they have been taking the ball away as well. Yeah. I mean, with this game, Zach, I'm just, I just am so conf- not confused, but. I'm, if I'm Cleveland, I'm just so worried about that offensive line. How 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 in the world does Nick Chubb almost have a thousand yards, but they can't block for <laughs> Baker? Or I mean, how how does that dynamic work? How can you be well, so I, I good in that, that one regard, not the other? He Chubb explodes like a back who's forty pounds lighter than he is. He really has that second gear, and so if if he does get a hole, 
or if that first guy misses him or allows him to spin off, he gets into that second level of that defense. Um, but to sum up the season, he has a 52-yard run against the Patriots, who at the time were a record-setting defense, and at the end he gets the ball stripped, right? <laughs> and so like, that, yeah. it's it's just kind of how it's gone. Uh, he never fumbled in college. He never fumbled his rookie year. He never fumbled the first five games of this year. And then in back-to-back games, he had three fumbles. So it's just it's kind of how it's gone for them. Um, like I said, you see how it could all come together, and you see – how the talent could eventually mesh, but we're in mid-November and it and it hasn't. So, is it going to? Can they beat the Steelers? I don't know. You want to do game predictions before we get out of here? Or you want to pass on that? Oh, I'll do predictions. Absolutely. You know, I I agree with you. First, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a one-possession game. But I just can't keep get get it out of my head. Even though I think Baker's going to play well, he'll probably thrive in this type of atmosphere against a a rival like this. But I just can't get out of my mind that. Brown's offensive line is going to just crumble at the most inopportune team, inopportune time and cost them this game. So I'm going with the Steelers 20 to 17. Two things that are mandatory for the Browns. A good start. And I don't mean get up 17, nothing. I mean, possess the ball, move the ball, um, you know, keep the defense off the field and get a lead at least some point. And I think a defensive score or at least a big turnover that sets up a relatively easy offensive score is mandatory because I just don't think without that you can get over 17. So I am going to pick the Steelers 19 to 17. And I broke my five-game Steeler winning streak last week, so I'm not very happy I picked the Rams to win. So I need to get back on the track here, Zach. Well, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I like that this is a significant game. I love the Pittsburgh-Cleveland dynamic. I want this to be a real rivalry, Mark. I want it to be significant. Uh, you're my favorite, Yinzer, but I love Pittsburgh. I love the Steelers culture. Uh, I love Pittsburgh sports radio. <laughs> and, mm. and uh, I, you know, I like, not, I like I like Cleveland I sports radio. I, I heard that, that sound bite of that one guy going absolutely berserk. I thought he was crying. That's <laughs> <laughs> the funniest the thing I've ever win. heard. Yeah, I picked the Steelers to win, but I would not be shocked – uh, if the Browns somehow pull it out, and then we have a really big one in two weeks over. Yeah, I wouldn't, be, sho- I wouldn't be shocked either. I think it's definitely a one-possession late game. All right, well, so uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we know this is a subscriber podcast, so we do this twice a week. Uh, thank you for reading. Thank you for your feedback and your support. We will have the AFC North whip around uh, ready for you on Thursday morning. Mark will be making the trek over on uh, Thursday night, and then we'll have a post-game podcast on Civilized Barking and all of our normal coverage. So thank you. Um, I'd say just appreciate the fact that the Bra- the Browns and Steelers are, are playing a significant game. <laughs> yeah, because you know what, Zach? Um, about three weeks ago, this, this looked like it was going to be 0-8 versus 0-8, right? Yeah, it did look bad, didn't it? It really did. All right, from Mark Caboli, I'm Zach Jackson. Thanks for listening to both of our podcasts.